Hello and welcome to another lovely, fine episode of Jumpcast. Uh, it's the only podcast you need for all of your film news, reviews and trailers and whatnot. Uh, this week, we are short a person. Um, this time, Alex is off living life, getting rid of stuff and definitely not sneakily watching Drag Race on BBC Three. So, all power to him. Uh, but some good news is we do have uh, our very own Charlotte back, uh, feeling in fighting form, I hope. Charlotte, hello. Uh, ahoy. She's ahoy. alive. She's alive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how, I, are you, how are you doing? I listened to a little bit of last week's, not fully, because actually it made me quite sad to not be here. Um, but uh, yes, you yeah. mentioned that I was poorly. I will confirm I had COVID, return of the COVID. Oh, my no. second dose. Um, I'm getting there. It did knock me for six fully. I think I tested positive about three hours before you recorded last week. So you did oh, really gosh. well. It sounded like Callum did a great job stepping in. I say, yeah. He, uh, Callum, thank you again to our understudy. Uh, he was, yeah, he, he, did, he did well. He's, he ain't no Charlotte. I'm, I'm kidding, Callum. You were, you were great. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, it's good to have you back. Is he a Claire? Is he. Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdly, Alex got his name right the first time, which I'm impressed at. Ooh, okay, right. Noted. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. I d- you know, I'm just the messenger there. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> 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 but yeah, we are going to carry on as we would normally uh, with all the usual news, trailer talk, uh, reviews of Parallel Mothers, Sing 2 and The Amulet. And we will also, at the end of this, be announcing the winner of this month's film club. Um, let's just say Alex isn't missing out by not being here. <laughs> <laughs> maybe um, that's why he's not here. Maybe that's why he just couldn't, you know, he's not gracious in defeat. Uh, but we won't spoil too much, but all you know is it's 50-50 <laughs> between the two of us. <laughs> so, before we get cracking on with that, uh, Charlotte, I had to ask, in your uh, sick bed, was there anything you managed to catch up on? Um, I watched a lot, some good, some bad. I also had at some points really short attention spans, so I sort of watched 10 minutes of many different things. Oh, I've reduced it to five things I want to quickly do a shout out for. Cool, go ahead. All right, Giving Voice is a documentary on Netflix. It's about the August, oh, I've forgotten his surname. Is it August Wilson, the guy who wrote Fences? Yes, yeah. Um. There is a competition, a trust scholarship in his honour, and it's about these students competing, they're like 16 to 18 years old, competing, where deliver monologues written by him and his plays. And it was so insightful on history and sort of culture and his impact on culture, which I didn't, wasn't fully aware of. Mm. Um, that's, that's a gem. Station Eleven, one of my favourite books of all time, has been adapted into a TV series. And for some reason... It's not on Sky, it's on Amazon Prime through a Stars Play add-on. Three episodes up so far, although I don't think they were meant to be three, I think it's one a week. Don't ask me, it's fantastic. If you can handle seeing something about a global pandemic that kills 99.9% of the population, <laughs> it's it's about like the aftermath in like the sense of 20 years' time, about the hope within loss. Okay. Um, After Party on Apple TV is about a school reunion where a murder happens and it's a weird blend of comedy. Episode three was a kind of musical. It's superb. Um, Worth on Netflix was really good film with Michael Keaton and Stanley Tucci. 
So you know you're in a good time with those two. Oh, I think we talked about that on the trailer talk at one point. Yeah, yeah. It just sort of dropped on there without any fanfare, as Netflix seemed to do. Oh. And um, if you are ever in need of like a Sunday night treat, if you get the Sunday scaries like I do, Pottery Throwdown continues to be the joy we all need. If anyone who likes <laughs> Bake Off, but Pottery. And it also has the loveliest man in t- all of TV called uh, Keith who cries and is very open about how he cries. It's like his equivalent of Paul's handshake Aww. on uh, Bake Off. But it's so positive masculinity that I love it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Those are my five topics of the many <laughs> things that keep kept me company <laughs> the past week. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it sounds like you've been, yeah, very uh, visually stimulated with uh, <laughs> the <Italian> film. <laughs> Don't be alone with my thoughts. Keep it busy. Well, exactly. Exactly. There's no harm in that. Um, well, that sounds fantastic, honestly. Um, yeah, I my uh, my week has been fairly fairly sedate in terms of viewing. Um, I was otherwise indisposed over the weekend, so uh, my my the majority of my watching was during the week. And um, yeah, I've been I've been watching. Uh, oh, speaking of Bake Off, I've been watching Junior Bake Off. Nice. Which is, is that Harry Hill? That's Harry Hill, yes. Um, right. And so for this new series, uh, for the first two episodes, um, there was uh, Paul Hollywood was uh, was a judge. He doesn't normally do oh, it. It's wow. normally um, Liam, uh, who was on a few series back. And yeah, he was he was taken over, and all the kids genuinely just looked like uh, like deer in oh, headlights. So lovely. But it's oh, it was so great. And he, of course, you know, he's going to be nice. But it was still really great, and like, like they're so talented. These kids, like some of them are as young as like eight or nine. Some of them are in their early teens, and oh, it's just wow. like, oh my gosh, like they are little geniuses. It's incredible. It's like it's great. It's really great, and some of them are just absolute personalities, <laughs> as you'd expect kids to be, where they're just allowed to <laughs> let their creativity run wild. <laughs> Unique individuals, as I like to say on reports. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, the unique individuals. And Harry Hill is just very funny as well. I've been, I've read his book recently. I got it for Christmas and he's just, oh, such a funny guy. Um, but yeah, that's been my week. Uh, so let's get cracking on from here. So as always, we start with the news. And we're going to start with some casting bits and pieces. In fact, it's very cast heavy uh, this week's uh, this week's news. And so we start with uh, news that the Stephen King adaptation from Rob Savage, The Boogeyman, uh, has cast some uh, notable characters. So we've got Chris Messina and Sophie Thatcher of Yellow Jackets fame. I've still yet to see Yellow Jackets. Everyone oh, keeps so good. Gosh. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, we've we've got some people appearing and popping up because it felt like we had a burst of Stephen King stuff for like a couple of years and it just fell quiet. So yeah, intrigued. Yeah, that I mean that casting, she's magnificent in Yellow Jackets as a I think all the cast really. Yeah. And Chris Messina is just so watchable. Okay, yeah. Um I really loved him in the Mindy Project. She feels like a throwback these days. Oh my gosh, yeah. I forgot he was even in that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> First thing I think I saw him in, and though I'm looking at his IMDb now, and, you know, he's been in a lot. Let's <laughs> say, so, yeah, he's been he's been around the block as, <laughs> as, as old Chris. But, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm very intrigued. Um, I 
am gutted I haven't actually seen uh, Dashcam yet, uh, but I've heard people going absolutely wild for it. So uh, with that and, you know, taking on Stephen King, no mean feat. So more power to him. Yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Okay, uh, next up on the casting news, uh, we've got Benedict Cumberbatch. The man does not rest. I don't know how he manages it. Uh, but he is going to be in Justin Kurzel's uh, new sci-fi thriller, Morning, uh, alongside Laura Dern and Noah Duke. That's a cast and a half, blimey. Yeah, and the plot for this sounds astonishing as well. It really does. It sounds... So the synopsis that we have, uh, basically it sounds like there's some chemically induced alertness, uh, which does away with the entire concept of... Uh, of needing to sleep at nighttime, uh, it's just morning uh, when you when you're working and when you're living. Uh, but you know, people don't want that all the time, and it sounds like you know not the most utopian of situations. So uh, yeah, keep an eye on that one. That's from uh, Justin Kurzel, whose filmography to date has been interesting. Let's just say. Yeah, we'll go for like ambitious. I think is the best word. Some people really love it or love certain films and some are ambivalent. Yeah. And I'd say some are more antagonised as well. Let's just say. (laughs) The full spectrum. That's what we want for a director. That's it. I, you know what? I respect a director who winds me up and uh, (laughs) that's that's what you might have done in some Forget adoration. That's, you know. Yeah, exactly. I've done that. Exactly. It's getting under the skin. I think that's what it's called. (laughs) And uh, well, from from high concepts to uh, well, very very big high cars. Let's say high cars. I mean, they went to space. Yeah, they reach for the stars. They reach for the stars, but sometimes they just land among family. And uh, <laughs> and Fast and Furious Ten. What we're led to believe is the last Fast and Furious film. I mean, as if, like, really, as if. Uh, but we've got our, we've got our villain, and genuinely, I really thought that he was already in this film or in this series. Jason Momoa, Aquaman himself, Cal Drogo, uh, is going to be in Fast and Furious. And the thing is, that's not a slight on him that we thought he was already in it because he's just got the vibe and he's massive action hero. Yeah, and well, he's he's a big sucker for his classic cars. He drives this like bright green, like old Ford around, or whatever it is. Huh. And I think it might be even be a Rolls. So yeah, he he loves his like old. He loves his old cars. And hopefully, he's a forgotten brother who's never been mentioned. Will be dropped in without an explanation, and it's fine. <laughs> I saw someone suggest that he's going to be um, Dwayne Johnson's long lost brother who was just hanging out in Hawaii or something. <laughs> Yeah, probably, but, and it will still be entertaining. It will still be entertaining because by the end of it, he'll understand the value of family. So <laughs> I can't not do that. I'm sorry. Okay, uh, something that isn't casting news, which is a nice change. Um, so we talked about this a little bit on the trailer talk some time ago. Uh, the Foo Fighters have made a film. Um, there's nothing they can't do, it sounds like. Um, rather than make another good album again. You know, it's been 20 years, guys. Oh, come on. <laughs> I, to, 
like I, I agree. And I also, I loved the Foo Fighters. Like growing up, <clears throat> I was raised on the Foo Fighters in the car, like Nirvana. I was headbanging at six months old after yeah. my dad put proof. Um, and I, for a while, I felt like embarrassed to admit that I really liked Foo Fighters. And then I feel like they got adopted by many mediocre men. Yeah. Not including you in this, I'm saying, like, as a general rule. <laughs> people I met who were mediocre, who coincidentally, it's an episode of Correlation, said that Foo Fighters was their favourite band of all time. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if there's a link. Uh, what's my point? But Dave Grohl seems like the nicest man in the world. And I've yeah. heard his book is amazing. So I'm, I support any project he's involved in. Oh, gosh. See, I've still got his book to read. Uh, speaking of going through the reading list. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm I, with you. I rated them a lot when I was younger. I would still very much to like to see them live, you know, if someone's offering for tickets. Hey, Dave, if you're listening, big fan. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they have the old good song. But, mm. but yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it looks very silly and very them from what the trailers and things that I've suggested. So we'll have to wait and see, but not far too far away because that comes out on the February the 25th, which uh, is, gosh, nearly three weeks away. So mark your calendars for the end of the month. Anyway, <laughs> so we've got, uh, got some news on acquisitions now. Oh man, we cover the whole gamut of stuff here. And Masters of the Universe, He-Man, Skeletor, etc. Um, is going to be coming to Netflix. The live action, the, I'm guessing the new live action Masters of the Universe film. Uh, they're not just talking about the one with Frank Langella and Dolph Lundgren from the 80s. <laughs> uh, is, yeah, it's coming to Netflix. They're, they're picking it up to produce. I, yeah, I'm sure lots of people would be very happy at that. Some might be. Yeah. Just yeah, I, I, I feel completely indifferent. I never saw the appeal of the He-Man thing, but you know what? It's it's fine, and maybe it will wind up more people who got annoyed at the animated series when that came out because that was very fun to watch. And the thing is, fundamentally, is I don't see the point of getting annoyed at remakes or anything because the original doesn't get destroyed. Yeah, it's not like it's recycled; it still exists as an entity. And if yeah. it brings new people to the original or joins the fandom, then fine. Well, exactly. Exactly. It brings in new people to enjoy it. And speaking of, what a, what a lead in that was. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, Hocus Pocus 2. Yes, they're still definitely doing it. Has wrapped. It is on its way and it might well be on its way. In time for Halloween. <laughs> okay, have a guess. What year did Hocus Pocus get released? 1993? Yeah, exactly, spot on. So we're looking oh. at, what, 29 years? Good Lord. Between sequels, that's got to be, maybe not a record, but getting there. It's got to be up there, I would have thought. I think whenever, if ever, the new Top Gun comes out, that might just break that record, but... Is that because yeah. of COVID delays as well as... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, hope springs eternal for if that ever even turns up. <laughs> and with Hocus Pocus 2, we're looking at a lot of the cast returning, like Doug Jones and the original witches are all there. Yeah. I mean, Bette Midler does not look any different when she's dressed as mm. Winnie. So, well, neither do I. Either the other ones, Kathy Najimy or... Um... 
So Jessica Parker. Or Jessica Parker. My brain did not just break there. <laughs> you did really well. Um, <laughs> what I really like about Hocus Pocus as well is if you chart it, it was a bomb, I think, when it first arrived in cinemas. It's one of those yeah. examples of the 90s VHS, DVD, that kind of... It's yeah, got yeah, such yeah. a fandom. Oh, yeah, the home video craze absolutely saved it. Absolutely did. And... Yeah, I I think if you said about 10 years ago that we were getting a Hocus Pocus 2, like, there would be a cheer, but I don't think it would be anywhere near as much of one as anyone would have expected as there is now. Um, but yeah, there we go. If you wanted it, it's coming. More, <laughs> more, of, more of Hocus Pocus. So yeah. I mean, I'll watch it gladly. Not even just for this, you know, just just out of fun. I really anyway. hope there's like a press screening event for it, or some sort of immersive event that people can go to. I hope it's not just to oh, drop it on great. Disney Plus and then. I reckon they'll make a song and dance of it. And I think if they build it, they will come. If they build it, they will come. And yeah, I, I just yeah, I'm sure they'll put a lot of effort into the Sanderson sisters. I mean, they've got to, right? You'd hope so. You'd hope so. It's Disney. They've got infinite money. <laughs> anyway, uh, last of all, uh, we are. Oh, blind tearing through these uh, in comparison. I mm, just wonder what was holding us back all this time. Um, and... <laughs> You're on your own. Oh, God. I probably will be by the end of this podcast. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Of course. I cannot wait to uh, look forward to dealing with. The repercussions of that next week. So um it's fine you won't listen. Anyway, last of all, we've got a new spooky horror film coming out, uh called Starve Acre. And this is from uh, the writer and director of Apostasy. For those of you who are big Apostasy fans, I've actually not seen it to my shame. Uh Charlotte, you've recommended it though off the back of this story. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. Uh, it really stays with you after watching it that kind of tone will work really well for this film, I think. Oh, gosh. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to looking back to that. Uh, so that's from the writer and director, Daniel Cocotajlo. I'm hoping I've got that right. Um, and we've got some decent cast casting here. We've got not just Matt Smith, him off Doctor Who and soon to be in the next Game of Thrones spinoff, but Morvith Clark is also going to be joining it. And they're going to be playing a couple in this spooky, spooky film. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm just reading this. I'm I'm getting the heebies. Yeah, it looks like that proper kind of British indie uh, film that we can do so well. This kind, it's funded by the BFI, I think BBC and BFI funding. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Sure enough. Oh, I'm very excited. And mm. uh, yeah, love a good chiller and count me in. Well. It just goes to show that there are many more things to get through in the next segment than the last one, because I feel like this one's going to be a bit longer as we head into our trailer talk. Trailer talk, trailer talk, 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 trailer talk, yeah. Okay, and we start with uh, the trailer, which is causing a lot of um, buzz. Uh, maybe not for... Uh, <laughs> that, was, that was not even meant to be a pun. But um, maybe not for the best of reasons. Uh, Leatherface, old weird fellow that he is, is back. And um, this time it's taken on a legacy sequel thing. 
<sighs> it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I know I said like a few minutes ago about sequels and remakes and not getting annoyed and whatever. And it's not I'm annoyed at this one. I just think if you're going to do it, don't do it half-heartedly. Yeah. Well, I, I feel... Sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was thinking, what, so what was the IMDb trivia that we were going <laughs> earlier? <laughs> Let me see if I can pull it up uh, while I <laughs> have a look at this. But yeah, this is um, this is officially a requel sequel thing to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, which is... I mean, it's had so many remakes, so many sequels, so many spin-offs, etc. And it's just like, why are we still doing this? But apparently this is meant to be after nearly 50 years of hiding. Uh, Leatherface comes out to Texas to terrorize some young people who just happen to get in the way. And I just feel like how many times, how many times must we bother with this? I mean, the cast itself is fairly decent. You've got people like John Larroquette. You've got like Elsie Fisher from Eighth Grade who's in this. Mm. Uh, you've got Alice Kreig, 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 Kreig. I never know how to pronounce that. Um, and you know, you've got some legacy characters in there as well, because of course you do with these damned things. But um, but yeah, the uh, the trivia is really quite something if you haven't seen it i highly recommend um i highly recommend catching it because it is um yeah interesting let's just say (laughs) but yeah i mm, that's coming to netflix and there was probably one moment in there that both charlotte and i laughed at it was quite a good moment I remember the trailer because of that moment, which is, yeah. you know, some trailers don't have any moments. That's true. Yeah. At least this has that. We'll always have do anything in your cancelled, bro. <laughs> which is, you know, not the uh, great ending that, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> say it's no, we'll always have Paris, but there we go. Anyway, so there's that. Next up is True Things. So this is the next one from Harry Whitler. Mm, only you was... So good. So good. And this looks, I mean, it looks absolutely terrific. The vibe I was getting from this was um, kind of beast level. Yeah, definitely. Weirdly, on YouTube, I don't know on the ver- the trailer you played, it says like romance next to it. Okay. It's It, it doesn't scream romance to me. No, <laughs> very much not. Psychological um, drama or a thriller? Yeah. Maybe, maybe that. Maybe the film is actually much more romantic than that, that trailer suggested. <laughs> Done a genre uh, trailer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is uh, Ruth Wilson and Tom Burke. Lovely Tom Burke. He's mm. always great. Um, and yeah, this is this is coming to us on the 1st of April. And gosh, it feels like forever since the last Harry Whitlock joint. When was Oli? Was it 2018? 2019? I'm always worried it's 17. A look goodness me oh 18 2018 blimey i mean you know good honor for making more films but you know come on come on do more do more please that's me asking nicely anyway <laughs> i'm looking forward to it uh and hopefully we'll be able to cover that on jumpcast so fingers crossed Ooh. fingers crossed eh um right 
Next up, this is a Disney Plus uh, thriller, and it's called No Exit. So this is apparently based on a book, and not the one you're thinking of, because I thought this was uh, the hell is other people kind of thing. And to be honest, it still looks kind of in that vibe. I was just going to say that. It reminded <laughs> me of a film. I can't remember the title of it. It'll come to me in a second. A John Cusack film where he's stuck at a motel. Uh, and they're trying to work out who the killer is. Kind. Of, why am I thinking of Gross Point Blank? <laughs> yeah, it's not that. That's a banger. Uh, John Cusack. Yeah. I, I, identity. I was going to say Identity. Identity. Yeah. Uh, which, is that based on a book as well? It could well be. It might be a Stephen King going back to the book. I was just wondering that. Oh, it all goes back to Stephen King. Um, the whole idea of a group of strangers. In the trailer, a group of strangers are together in the room. I think there's five, aren't there? And they're stuck because of a snowstorm. That's and something it. bad yeah. seems to be happening at the time. Do you ever have that situation where you're on a bus or a train or something, you look around, do you think you're the right mix of people that that kind of scenario could happen? Have you ever had that? I <laughs> I think it's just you. Oh God, it's 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 not Stephen King. It's Agatha Christie. It's um, and then there were none. Oh, identity's based on, and then there were none. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that says a lot about that film. But I didn't. <laughs> 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 oh gosh, but yeah, no, I I can't say I've been in that situation. Oh well, maybe Could in the odd lift. Tweet if they've had this experience too, please. Cause I... <laughs> <laughs> If you've ever just been somewhere where you've kind of gone, a film could happen now, like where the right mix of people of different backgrounds, we probably each have a story here. That's not main character syndrome. Please let me know that someone else has I, had this. Theme I don't too. know what to tell you. I, mm. <laughs> right, let's carry on then with the trailer talk. <laughs> sure, sure. I I feel like I don't think it will just be me by the end of it. <laughs> I kid, of course. Uh, yeah. Oh God. Anyway, uh, I, I swear it's not. I'm not the bad guy. I'm not the villain of the story. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway. Um, so next up, we have asking for it uh, with again a very impressive cast list. So we've got Ezra Miller. We've got Vanessa Hudgens. We've got Alexandra Ship. Uh, Demetrius Ship Junior. Uh, among others. I mean, this looks interesting. I have two issues with it. Yeah. One is Assassination Nation already exists, and that film was banging. I said banging yes. today, I apologise. Yes. Yeah. That film did so well what this film seems to be trying to do. Again, speaking on trailer alone, it could be different. Also, my other issue is Ezra Miller in a film about gender politics, considering <laughs> what video footage implies about his conduct yeah yeah i did not even clock that but uh yeah yeah um but no i'm completely with you on the assassination nation thing uh i remember getting a chance to see that when that premiered in the london film festival yeah same at prince charles cinema oh um um oh i must have gone to a later one then it must have been the gala one um and harry neff was there and she was talking about being on it and just she just looked absolutely glamorous and i thought oh my god this person is just the most <laughs> incredibly <laughs> dressed person in the world um and she's great and i just yeah love that film and i will push anyone to go see that so yeah entirely here with the uh with the assassination nation hype 
can't say too much about asking for it. But yeah, looks looks fine enough. We'll see. But it's already calling itself a cult film, which I don't think you can really say. Mm. But yeah. yeah, I don't know anymore. Anyway, moving swiftly on and coming with a very different change of tone with After Yang. Yeah, I saw Katie Smith Wong tweet about this earlier, and she said that it's one of the most meditative films she's seen in a long time, and it looks really intriguing. So yeah, the the trailer on its own, I am absolutely fascinated by. I've heard people talking about this almost kind of like reverently, and I am so excited to hear about it. Like, just as so excited to find out more about it. Um, but yeah, the 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 concept alone. Uh, it looks very sci-fi. You've got um, Colin Farrell and Jodie Smith-Taylor. I can never remember her name. Um, who was She was fantastic in Queen and Slim, but I am awful and rubbish at names today, it sounds like. Uh, it seems to be a running thing. Uh, with Jodie Turner-Smith. I'm so sorry. Oh, God, I'm awful. Um... But yeah, so Jodie Turner-Smith and Colin Farrell are a couple who have, wow, this is this is where things get very kind of like, maybe in the film it's a lot more complex, but they seem to have a robot companion? Yeah, like a kind of assistant helper. Yeah, called Yang, um, who seems to go on some kind of adventure of consciousness. From what I can tell, someone who's seen it is going to absolutely just go nah you're wrong or something who knows anyway that's coming out in march um seems to be some interesting counter programming because that same day i think the batman comes out so it might be one to have to really search for which i hope it isn't the case Mm, definitely Mm. but yes we shall wait and see coming up next though um and this looks like it's coming to sky so at the very least it will be on demand to watch uh, the Midwich Cuckoos, the John Wyndham classic, gets another looking out um, on 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 a screen. Maybe not the biggest, but certainly a screen. Um, and yeah, so this has been the inspiration between things behind things like Children of the Corn and things like that uh, in decades past, and it gets another outing here. So, uh, from what I can tell, looks pretty good in terms of atmosphere. And Keely Hawes is always great. Yeah, definitely. I find she's one of those British actors where if they're in it, you know it's going to be of a certain standard. Mm, yes, definitely. Did you did you watch It's a Sin? Yeah, I did the rewatch over Christmas. And oh, you did as well. I remember you saying. I, Her character, and you realise just how good she was, because I think the first time around I was distracted by how good everyone else was. Mm. Knowing her character journey, kind of retrospectively and rewatching it, she does some astonishing work there to make her character so not to spoil it too much, but so deep. Yes. Yeah. She's, um, she's bringing so many different dimensions to that character. Mm. And I think she's uh, so phenomenal. And I'm so excited for this. I, I like a good, uh, sci-fi horror. I enjoy very much the whole children of the corn kind of thing. Mm. And yeah, I'll have to check this out for sure. Definitely looks intriguing. Definitely. And uh, one which we'll see. Um, so the t- I believe this has a couple of the different names. So the one we have, well, the one we're going for is Tollbooth, 
I believe it's also called The Toll. Um, so this, you wouldn't believe it from the trailer, but it's apparently meant to be a kind of dark comedy caper. Um, it looks much more serious in terms of the trailer we have here. So this is Michael Smiley, who works on a toll booth, uh, gets hustled and has to get that money back somehow uh, come hell or high water. Uh, otherwise, some very bad people are going to turn up. Or so we would gather from the trailers. Who knows? Maybe it's uh, a wacky road trip thing. But um, but yeah, Charlotte, what are your what are your thoughts on Tollbooth? I like the whole curmudgeonly figure with a past trope. Yeah, and Smiley's doing that trope. Shut up and take my money. I will go see it. I see. Yeah, and as long as Michael Smiley's doing stuff, uh, I will be forever happy. To be honest, so <laughs> forever Smiley. He's forever. Oh uh, yeah, I will be Smiley with Michael Smiley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't believe I just said that. Anyway. Uh, we're coming close to the end of our trailer talk, and first up we have wow, this this is again another film which um, has changed names. Uh, I believe it's called like Eight for Silver. It's now called The Cursed, and uh, this is well, it's looking very very spooky. Um, Charlotte, what are your thoughts on The Cursed or Eight for Silver or The Cursed Dead Man's Prey, as it's also called apparently? Um, so the film of many titles uh, reminded me of a film a couple of years ago called Gwen, set in the Welsh, I want to say valleys, but I might be oversimplifying. Um, the idea of like the folk tale and then the kind of creepy menace damaging, you know, haunting a village. Mm. But yeah, intriguing trailer. Atmospheric. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, it looks very, just very schlocky in a very satisfying way. Um, I'm just having a quick look to see what the director has made. So apart from that, so he's made Anthropoid. Um, should I know if you I, bought the? I'd liked that. Yeah, yeah. He was he was the director for that one. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued to see him take on a proper nasty horror. So yeah, interesting. Um, it looks very different to the kind of thing you'd expect from the director of Anthropoid. But there we are. Uh, okay, and last but not least. Um, I'm not gonna do an impression of. <laughs> I'm not gonna do an impression. You're not gonna of... make me an offer I can't refuse. No, I'm not gonna do it. You come to me. <laughs> no, my daughter's wedding. No, no, no. Um, but we have, uh, we do have the offer, which you may or may not be able to refuse. Um, so this is a, li- a limited series. So full disclosure, not a film, but it is about the making of a film which enjoys its 50th anniversary this year the godfather uh and it's got a pretty hefty cast behind it and to be honest charlotte this looks quite fun it really does i i love films about behind the scenes of films or media in general i think that should be like an upcoming feature we should do where we talk about our favorite films about films <gasps> yes yes absolutely i think that's I f- a fantastic idea but like it doesn't get talked about enough um and matthew good looks very good we were talking before <laughs> about how he should be <laughs> a bigger star than he is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, no, I agree. Um, um, yeah, no, he's he's great. Juno Temple's always fantastic, and Miles Teller's there. And yeah, I was going to make the same <laughs> joke. I went to a Q and A he did of um that boxing film. That wasn't Southpaw, was it? Oh uh, no, God, what was it called? Bleed for this. 
Yeah, that sounds about right. With um, Aaron Eckhart. It was a Q&A Robbie Collin did at BAFTA with Miles and Aaron. And I was like, yeah, Aaron Eckhart's so charismatic. <laughs> oh. I, I vaguely remember watching Bleed for this. Very, very vaguely. Yeah, it's a proper, like, you take the dust off your memory filing cabinet. Yeah, God. Um, so it doesn't help that it came out, like, a year exactly after Southpaw, which was something else. And also the same mm. year as Creed, which, again, really, really good. But, yeah. Wow. There you go. That's a man remembering something very suddenly in real time. <laughs> <laughs> That's me just cackle coughing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, God. But we made it through to the end of Trailer Talk. Uh, so, coming up, of course, we've got the really juicy stuff. Uh, the reviews, again, of Parallel Mothers, Sing To, and The Amulet. But first, we do have to say some thank yous. Or more specifically, Charlotte has to say some thank yous. And they sound a little bit like this. I like that Charlotte says some thank yous. It's like your mum at Christmas going, thank everyone <laughs> for the Christmas present. <laughs> I've got the thank you cards ready and the pen. <laughs> right, getting ready to write. Um, every week we like to have a kind of minutes reflection and a thank you to our patrons who help make Jump Cut happen, who help fund new writers and just really help everything going. So, if you're interested in taking part and being a patron as well, please go to patreon.com slash online. And the people we'd like to thank our special friends are Chris Wilson, Enon Films, Robert Denny, Daryl Griffiths, Sam Luck, Orla Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meekin, Fabiana Rossus, Hamish Calvair, Manuel Bento and Joe Craig. Thank you so much for your support. Beautifully done. And... Yes, I share my thank you for that. Uh, you guys are fantastic, and please don't go changing. Oh, God, I hate myself sometimes when I'm just on this <laughs> damn podcast. Uh, great, cool. Well, uh, let's let's get cracking on with some reviews. Now, I should say, only one of us has seen two of these films, which I am absolutely gutted because uh, I was so looking forward to seeing Sing 2 and The Amulet. Uh, or Amulet, I'm not sure. which Is, is, is there a definite article? I'm... I thought there was, and now I'm doubting myself. No, it's Amulet. Ah, okay. I mean, I like the definite article in there, so maybe we'll keep it in there. Maybe that's some <laughs> uh, <laughs> some creative feedback to the... To the I don't know. Um, but we both have seen Parallel Mothers. We have. We saw it is... early as well. We saw it early as well. Oh my gosh. It feels so good to see a film. <laughs> just to see a film. Uh, you know, maybe that's why we got this gig. So, Alex, uh, again, will probably be gutted to not be able to talk about this here and now, but he has written for Jump Cut Online. Uh, He is one of those lovely, lucky uh, journalists who are getting a commish from Jump Cut to to write about films. And you should see that review on there. It's very good, and he likes the film a lot. So, spoiler warning for there. But, Charlotte, I'd love to know what you think of Pedro Modavar's latest film. So I I feel like he is a director where you know you're going in for a good time. It's yeah. you just don't know to the extent of the good time. Is it going to be an incredible time or a very good time? I think Parallel Mothers is conveniently in between those two barometers. 
Mm. Um, I loved Julietta, his film from 2016. That, for me, was a really iconic film I saw that year. It really has stayed with me since, actually. Um, Parallel Mothers has aspects of that. I don't know if it's going to be a hugely, when we look at his career retrospectively, going to be up there with the top. But in terms of what it does, what the cast do and the cinematography and the flat, the set design of that apartment, stunning. Mm. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. don't think it's a flawless story. I think it tries lots of different themes and motifs. It doesn't quite interconnect them. But um, what do you think? Um, I I would agree, I think. I think. If you if you go to an Almodovar specifically for his brand of melodrama, you're gonna get it in droves. I think he really does lay on thick the uh, the big dramatic moments, um, which is great because you know that's again like you said, Charlotte, that's what you go there for. <laughs> and I think, and um, I was really invested in them. Yeah, I didn't anticipate yeah. most of them, and I was fully like, I want to know what happens. Oh yeah, absolutely, and. I was so intrigued as to what goes on. And honestly, it pays off for me. So for those of you who um, with, who aren't familiar with the story of Parallel Mothers, uh, so it talks about, well, it's two mothers, essentially. So you've got uh, Janice, uh, who is played by Penelope Cruz. Uh, she is a woman uh, who is not really, uh, say she's kind of like late 30s, thereabouts. Um, very high-flying, successful. She's a photographer, uh, and she's in a position where she wants to uh, reclaim the um, the remains of her. I believe it's her great grandfather, um, from where he and some of his comrades were uh, were killed during the Spanish Civil War by the by the Palenquistas. Um, and then you have Anna, who is this young girl. Uh, who's played by uh, Milena Schmidt, I believe, um, mm. and she she's a, she's coming to motherhood from a very young age, um, and it's not immediately clear what's happened, but it's clear that there's some damage there, uh, there's some trauma there, which has um, been behind this conception. And as they intertwine, and as as things happen, and as their lives cross over as well, uh, in in many different ways. Um, yeah, you kind of see that level of melodrama really sink in. And I think, um, like, well, I mean, Penelope Cruz and Amadova's, uh relationship has just been there for so long now that it's just like, she can just slip into these roles and just bring out a fantastic performance just off the bat. Like, it's it's fantastic to watch. It really is. It's just a joy. Yeah, she's um, astonishing here. There's many scenes you could picture being on, like the award ceremony nominees, you know, oh, yeah. like, the role. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it just feels like, oh my gosh, you just think, oh, okay, she can't top what she's doing right now, and then she just goes and does this. Um, I think she's superb, and I think, um, I think the uh, Milena Milena Schmidt is also fantastic in her role. It's a very tricky one to pull off, um, but I think she does it really nicely. Um, I'm not too familiar with her as an actor, actually. Uh, I don't know what else she's been in, but um, for a first impression, yeah, I, I thought she was great. 
Yeah, she bounces off Penelope really nicely because you've got Penelope Cruz's character is wasn't expecting to have children. It's a nice surprise. She's taken the opportunity to have the child that she's conceived. Yeah. Whereas her counter then is someone who, like you said, isn't wasn't expecting to have a child so young. Doesn't know if she massively wants to carry the child. What motherhood really means, and it they bounce off each other so nicely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as those stories of each other's motherhoods weave in and out, and um, well, for the for the almost for the entirety of the film, we only see uh, Janice's um, perspective. We only really see like how she's been coping with uh, life as a new mother. Um, and from that, you again, you only really get that point of view in terms of how Anna is seen and how the other players in this film are seen. Um, but yeah, I think it's like you, like you kind of alluded to, um, Charlotte. I don't think it's a film that, when looking back, will be considered one of his very best films. I think it's still brilliantly executed. Um, I still think it's you know very fun. I do think. Um, that the exhaustive product placement is very fun. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't noticed that at the time. Then I saw someone had written a list afterwards. You're like, oh, damn. Okay, yeah. See, I, I was kind of to myself watching it and going, ding. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not abstract. It's not um obnoxious or anything like that. But it is just very there in a in a way that um with that kind of style of filmmaking which is very all on the table um yeah it's it's that um one thing actually i want to mention just in passing because um I, I i just really enjoyed it so much when it was there uh the human voice the short film he made with tilda swinton the tindler swinder um <laughs> which is um, out tomorrow uh, so when you're listening came out on wednesday oh okay okay um yeah, I loved that. It was kind of... I think it might have actually been his first proper foray into English language filmmaking. And yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And that was so, like... You could see the par- the, the parallels. Ha <laughs> uh, In terms of, like, the set, like, the artifice and the everything else. And, and again, like, the just the big dramatic moments and the big kind of female performance. And obviously that's something he's been doing for 25 years now? Thereabouts? Yeah. Blimey. Um... And yeah, I just really love that. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's a short film he made, and it's it's great. But uh, cool. Um, but yeah, I overall, I I did think that this was a lot of fun. Um, I think that the ultimately you do have these threads, so we have this kind of bookending of a story about um, almost this generational. Uh, gener- these generational wounds that are kind of being uh, set by by digging up this past and uh, and reclaiming those bodies. I think that's really interesting. I just maybe don't think that they that he quite pulled it off in terms of making it a complete story. Yeah, I felt like it just kind of ended. Yeah, too yeah. quickly in that regard, which is a shame. I think that there is some really interesting stuff there and I think there is so much that we know and are told from Spanish cinema about the Civil War and things like that 
and I feel like on an international stage we don't know a lot about like the ramifications and the after effects especially as we're about 50 odd years now um maybe coming up to 50 years since um franco uh passed away and that regime fell and yeah i i'm hmm i just kind of feel like maybe there's someone there who could kind of take that and make something which does have something more to say beyond um beyond the book ending that we got yeah i I don't know enough of the history really to know what that would look like necessarily. Mm. Am I right in thinking that Pan's Labyrinth is? Yeah, yeah. So that and the Devil's Backbone are both um, set against the Spanish Civil War um, as it happens, basically, and the kind of the rooting out of um, socialists and that kind of thing. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth, especially. So yeah, Um, the main antagonist is a is a. Uh, Frankista um, general, I think. General, colonel? Someone will correct us, I'm sure, on social media. <laughs> um, it's been so long since I've seen that. I love that film. But yeah, I feel like there's so much of uh, Spanish and Spanish language uh, cinema which has kind of touched on that. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to see more of that because I think that's such an interesting thing that doesn't get enough attention. But yeah. Anyway, that's speculative on a film that uh, isn't Parallel Mothers. But for what is Parallel Mothers, I enjoyed very much. Definitely. Definitely. Great. Okay. This is the bit where I shut up, which I'm sure will be an absolute relief to many people listening as we uh as we get to the films that I haven't seen. But you know, I am excited for this next one because I really enjoyed Sing. I thought it was really good. I thought Garth Jennings did a really good job of uh doing a big budget, big studio animation thing uh with Nayla's cast. And yeah, I'm. I was looking forward to sing too. So Charlotte, has he stuck the landing second time round? Uh, I'd say definitely. Yeah, Sing is one of those films where if it's on on a Sunday afternoon, I will just sit and watch it because it's so charmingly done with that kind of British humour sensibility in there. So the first film is Matthew McConaughey is oh Mr Moon, who is a koala who runs a theatre. And he hosts a kind of pop idol X Factor style competition where the menagerie of characters audition and perform, including Tara and Edgerton's uh, Gorilla. You've got a pig, uh, two pigs. There's one played by Reese Witherspoon and one by Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll there we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get there. Um, I think it's Tori Kelly is the elephant. It's a really lovely film. And I one of the few films I can think of where they use modern songs and pop songs, but they do really nice versions of them. And I would argue that there's a link between uh, Taron's take on Elton John and the first film and him getting Rocket Man. I think there's a timeline there we need to investigate. Absolutely, yeah. That seems like his audition tape. <laughs> Sing 2 is, what, six years, I think, since the first film came out. And before the film, I was saying to my friends, I was seeing it with, you know, is this a sequel no one really asked for? But I think it's had this really lovely audience still of people seeing it. Maybe because of the Sunday afternoon showings on ITV2. I don't don't presume anything. The <laughs> sequel goes bigger because the gang travel to what seems to be kind of like a Las Vegas inspired level. And they audition for Bobby Cannaval. Mm hmm who is a kind of mob boss record producer, Simon Cowley figure. 
and they inadvertently pitch a sci-fi musical and the film is their challenge of following up on that promise and all of the characters have obstacles on the way what the film does so brilliantly so earnestly is the idea of dreams and embracing fear sometimes and achieving your dreams and the hope you can find within that i think the soundtrack's great i've been listening to it quite a lot um the cast are wonderful and there's a couple of really really lovely storylines in there i won't name any because i think that spoils it but this is a really strong family film there's something in it for everyone fantastic i'm genuinely so excited to watch this i'm um yeah i i cannot wait i really i was one of those people who came to sing late as well i saw it on demand or something and was so pleasantly surprised because i remember the trailer and it must have been around that time of like zootopia and that kind of thing we felt kind of oversaturated for anthropomorphized songs called th- trolls around then as well maybe it might have been that um I just remember there being, it was back when Illumination were doing that thing where they did like three minute trailers of stuff which was coming like five years away. Mm. And I just thought, oh, okay, here we go. Was it the auditions, I think, for that trailer? Yeah, it was the auditions. And yeah, I just remember going, because I was working at a cinema at that time. And I just thought, oh, okay, this is going to be more of this. And it really wasn't. It was really sweet and, like you say, just really sincere and heartfelt. And I was absolutely blown away by it. So, yeah, I'm count me in for Sing 2 and your review has cemented that, definitely. As also, I forgot to mention, the animation itself is stunning. There is so much to see in this film in a way I don't remember quite to some extent with the first film. Oh, wow. The hotel that they stay in, I mean, calling it a hotel is an understatement because it's massive and sweeping and so full of things to look at is pretty spectacular yeah so seeing it on a big screen i'd recommend if you felt comfortable doing so of course yeah that's um let's say it's a strange time isn't it to be going anywhere now especially as masks are uh being gradually phased out well at least in terms of uh, regulations and stuff like that so yeah with that caveat definitely yeah covid no longer exists apparently let's <laughs> say so, yeah i don't know what you have coughing, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh what a nightmare state we live in in the uk anyway <laughs> of, speaking of, of nightmare that. states oh gosh i did not even plan for that um but we have we have a, a yes a spooky film um from a uh, romola gary i don't know if i'm saying that right but I want to say yes based on the Q&A I went to. Okay. I don't know if that means. <laughs> it counts for nothing in this in this part of town. But um but yes, Amulet. Uh this is another one that you uh, had the pleasure of seeing. Um I'm hoping it was a pleasure anyway. I'm sure we'll find out shortly. Yeah, I was really fortunate for the one week I catch COVID. I saw three of these films at different previews, which never happened. Normally I would we'd have no reviews, I think. We would have done Parallel Mothers. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have seen any because <laughs> I was isolating, as you should do, as your government mandated you to. Yes. Don't no, host not a just party. To sit on the front bench of Parliament <laughs> without a mask. Um, Don't do that. No. Um, Amulet is. Oh, let me look at the runtime. I want to say it's ninety minutes. Just want to double check before 90. I give it that seal of approval. One hour thirty nine. Oh. <laughs> mm. Um. 
I think it's kind of well known that I'm of all of the the holy trinity of jump cast the more <laughs> reluctant when it comes to horror films because I am a bit of a wimp. Um, and I I essentially saw this because I gave my friend four options of films that were out we could see that Friday we we're meeting up and she picked this one. And about twenty minutes in, <laughs> as she was tucked behind her scarf, went to me, "Why did I pick this? Why are we oh, here?" No. And it's not because it's a horror in the sense of like huge jump scares, uh, gore, that kind of thing. It's such an unnerving atmospheric piece. And it's a film of two parts. The first is, oh, how do I define the first bit? The first bit is Alec Sinitrio. Oh, if I got it right. Oh, I'm going to butcher his name. I'm really sorry. You're on your own Thomas. Here. <laughs> Thomas is the main character. He's an ex-soldier who has arrived in England after things seem to have happened. He is an ex-soldier who's clearly had some awful experiences that are affecting his day-to-day life still. Through chance coincidence, he meets a nun played by Melda Staunton who says, I actually have this family in need. A woman is uh, the full-time carer of her mother. You could go stay there, help them out, maybe be a handyman around the house. You crack on. And he stays, although the house is weird and the family dynamics are weird, but he hasn't got anywhere else to go and there's something compelling him to stay. And the film sort of goes on from there, really. Hmm. Um, Like I've said already this episode, I always talk about how I like a film being ambitious and trying things. And this film... That second half, it tries some things. Like I would love to read the theory analysis of this because she's really gone for something here. And there's some really interesting interpretation about uh, gender and relationships and societal expectations. There's yeah, there's some really tasty stuff in there. Oh, nice. I'm just looking. I loaded up to see pronunciation and the Google reviews. <laughs> The second of the Google reviews here is one out of five. Long, drawn out, pretentious, liberal garbage. You'll be very bored and then disappointed if you watch the whole movie, quotation marks. It's more of a we hate men and a getting back fest. Um, no, that review is, <laughs> is wrong. I, it, I mean, it is liberal, yes. Um, it is about gender. But I don't think it's a we hate men thing. It's a we hate thomas thing possibly maybe why (laughs) oh wow okay i mean if it's winding up those kind of people then i think i'm even more on board and there's some creepy um creature work here oh okay big fan of creepy creature work oh yeah that three times fast (laughs) like Candyman in the mirror (laughs) um yeah i really enjoyed this oh fantastic Okay, I'm I'm gonna have to search it out because uh, by the time this goes out, I think it might actually be disappearing from most screens. Um, but if you can catch it, it sounds like you absolutely should. Definitely, these are the kind of films that it's so impressive. It's got a big screen release because there are so many other films that got kind of dropped on Netflix, like we've said throughout this episode, mm. dropped on streaming. The fact that it's getting a big screen release, and again, when I googled it for the, I've got like the O2s coming up that I could see at Cineworld. So while you can of oh course we're kind of like telling you to retrospectively see it in the past <laughs> back to the future style but should the opportunity arise to see it at the cinema please do take it yeah i think that sounds like a great idea um i'm gonna try and find it 
as soon as I can, because, yeah, that sounds right up my straza. Um, but thank you so much, Charlotte. That's uh, that's our reviews for this week. We just have one more thing to do, and that Ooh. is to announce the winner of the film club. And by an absolute whopping amount, not to rub it in, but I'm just saying it won by a whole lot. This upcoming film club, all about love, is going to be The Lobster, the Yorgos Lanthimos dark comedy thing, which I can't even categorise. I've seen it a few times and loved it, but I couldn't even try to quantify it. Uh, So I'm so excited to see what Alex and Charlotte uh, both think about that. Uh, We will be talking about that, provided we're here, just in time for the weekend running up to Valentine's Day. So that will be next week. Blind. Yeah, doable. Is that doable, do you think? Alex isn't I mean, too busy gallivanting uh... off elsewhere? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm kidding, of course. Again, looking forward to the repercussion of this um, way of approaching his absence uh, next week as well. Um, but again, it'll be in time for Valentine's. I'm sure we'll put everything aside for a little bit of love. Hopefully we must. If we, well, <laughs> we'll keep it PG as always on Jumpcast. Um, oh God! But I was going to say, you're volunteering. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, but yes. Oh gosh. What even comes out next week? We've got Moonfall. We've got Jackass Forever. I mean, two of the most anticipated films of the year already. In that and so much more to come. Eyes of Tammy Faye. That's one of my most anticipated for the year. Yeah. Oh, my word. It's going to be a good one. And we're going to have a very fun chat about the lobster. Um, We hope, provided that everyone can make it happen in time. So after that, of course, we will be talking about March's film club. I mean, we are flying through the calendar, aren't we? (laughs) I'd say like colliding. Colliding, yeah, that makes that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I'll go with colliding. Um, but I hope you can collide with us as we well as 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 lunar bodies threaten to next week when we talk about Moonfall among other things in next week's Jumpcast. Until then, thank you so much for listening. I've been Simon Whitlock. Charlotte Harrison has been Charlotte Harrison. Bye bye. And you have been gorgeous as ever. Thank you, and we'll catch you next week. Bye.